As you paid attention to the reading of the word that was just done, did you notice that their worship services lasted half a day? We're not going to get that literal, I don't think, in our interpretation of our times together, but uh, it is an interesting fact to look at what the people of the Old Testament did when they discovered the law of God and how how reverently they attended to it. And I had that scripture read this morning particularly because of the text that we're in today in Psalm 119. But before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit about an event that happened to Sherry and I last summer. We drove to Los Angeles uh, on the first leg of our trip through the Southwest to uh, enjoy different uh, historical sites. But uh, on the way to L.A., we went down Highway 1 along the coast, you know, down there from, I think, San Jose all the way down to, to Santa Barbara. And that, that road is pretty easy to follow. There's only one option, either north or south, and that's it. And then uh, when you get south of Santa Barbara, that highway turns into a freeway and begins to get pretty full of traffic, very busy. And then it turns into four freeways. And if you're not paying attention because of the, what I think is poor signage in California, uh, you can get easily lost, uh, at least off course. And it, it's like a serious maze going down to L.A. If it, in fact, it weren't, if it weren't for GPS, I'd still be in L.A., <laughs> I'm pretty sure, based on all the craziness that was going on on those freeways. But this is how life feels sometimes, doesn't it? Life feels like a maze, like a six-lane freeway uh, full of vehicles going all over the place and distracting us and causing danger and um, worrying about direction and exits and on-ramps and off-ramps and all these things that we face in life. Our life feels like a maze, just like Southern California freeways. And it's an amazing maze it is. The, the longer you live, the, the more important options you face. Marrying, having and training children, supporting a family, finding a church, growing as a Christian, making and keeping lifelong friends, keep it, keeping and sticking to a financial plan are all part of this maze that we are in. Some people never seem to find their way in this maze and spend all their time lost, it seems. Even as Christians in whom the Holy Spirit of God dwells, we still seem to struggle with direction, with knowing the right way to go, knowing the right thing to say, knowing the right thing to do in every occasion. And the further down the road of life that we travel, the more complex and challenging it becomes. When you first start out on life, it's a lot like Highway 1 on the California coast. Really simple. You just go that way. Get up, your parents wake you up, you you know, you do what they say, and that's it. Older you get, more options, more challenges, more complexity, more difficulty. Because of all these options and bad signage and poorly lit paths of life that we find ourselves on, there are many different ways in, that we can upend ourselves and take wrong turns and get lost. Even as Christians. We can choose good but not best. 
We can take unnecessary detours. Uh, or we can just be completely on the wrong path altogether. All this because of the difficulty of seeing the path clearly. We have things that, that we have to make important decisions about every single day. Politics, ethics, marriage, parenting, Christian freedom, vocation, schooling, are all present-day difficulties that require careful thinking. We can't afford to be flippant about any of these things. And the potential of misstepping is significant. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a GPS for life? And that, oh, there we go, that's the decision. Wouldn't it be nice? Kind of like the people in the Old Testament of God who were guided by that pillar of fire or that pillar of cloud. Should we go left or right at this mountain, Moses? Uh, right is how the decisions went back then. Thankfully, God in his love and mercy has in fact given us a GPS for life, hasn't he? You have it in your hands. He's given us a light and a lamp to help us see clearly in dark and confusing ways. God has given us a divine guidance system. We have God's GPS, not global positioning system, God's positioning system. That's what we have here in our hands. Listen as I read for you Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Most of you have that memorized. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. My goal this morning is to encourage you to recognize your need for God's guidance in every area of your life and then convince you that God's guidance system, God's GPS, the word of God, is your most reliable guidance. That's the goal today. That's the direction we're heading. Instead of making important life decisions based on your personal history or practice or the way your family has done it forever, or even listening to conventional wisdom, I want to encourage you throughout this sermon to go to God's positioning system. Instead of seeking the latest secular wisdom for raising your children or using your money or growing a marriage, I want to encourage you to first scour God's GPS for direction, for answers, for guidance. No matter what area of need, my goal this morning is to motivate you to discover and apply God's positioning system, the Word of God, to your daily life. And we're going to do that by unpacking this one verse, Psalm 105. I want you to look at the verse as I talk about it for the next minute or two. You can notice that there are two things that are, two metaphors, if you will, that are used as guidance systems. You see that? The word is a lamp and a light. There's two different metaphors, obviously related. This, of course, is Hebrew poetry, but we don't have the liberty to interpret this as just a repetition for emphasis sake, which sometimes Hebrew poetry does. In this case, they're actually two different things. They're related, but they're different. The light spoken of in the first half of the verse is the more general expression of guidance, and the lamp is a more particular guidance that we need. There's, there's also two things that are specifically led, right? Do you see that in the same verse? What's led there? Our feet and our path. 
Those are the two things that are led by the light and lamp. The path is the general course or trajectory of life. The feet bring to mind the step-by-step step, step guidance needed for daily living. That's what we have in this verse. This is why the light is for the path. That's the general direction of your life. And the lamp is for the feet. The, the light clarifies where you're heading or where you should be heading. Like pursuing godliness and like loving God. That's the general direction of your life. But then there's the lamp that talks about more of the details of following God. Like things like uh, personal relationships, whether or not to marry unbelievers, how to love your wife or your husband. GPS, God's positioning system, addresses the use of money, making and keeping friends, training children, etc., the details of living. God's GPS also addresses areas of spiritual life like church attendance. Does God's word say anything about the necessity of you being here? It does, in fact. Does it say anything about who should or shouldn't be elders? It does, in fact. Does it say that you need to be serving in the church? It does, clearly so. Um, what does it say about how to deal with a Christian friend who is caught in sin? The, the Bible actually tells us. We, we aren't at liberty to just neglect or ignore them or to, to wipe their, their sin away or put it under the rug. No, the Bible clearly tells us how we should do this, how we should maintain a godly thought life, how we should use our money. These are all specific areas of life that need direction. And the Word of God both is a light for general direction and a lamp for specific questions. And I want to dig into each of those things this morning. First, let's look at light. The Word of God is a light for your path. A light for your path. The Word of God has been given for a reason, a purpose. GPS is given to give you a clear general direction of life, which, which way you should uh, be heading, how your life should be looking, and so I want to give you the purpose that God's word says it is given to us as a light. But first, before I do that, I want to talk to you about what this light is not intended for. What this light is not intended for. First of all, it's not intended to be a light for our brains. Notice it says it's a light for what? My path. It's a lamp for my feet. It doesn't say a light for your brain. I'm not suggesting that we don't need to use our brains as Christians. I'm just saying that verse doesn't say that. It says it's a light for your path, a lamp for your feet. And so the opposite would be a light for the brain, which might puff us up, give us some pride about our knowledge of Scripture. I can win pretty much any Bible trivia game that there is, right? Or I've memorized more than this guy or that guy. No, that's not what the Word of God is for. I recently had a frustrating conversation with a man who could quote all kinds of scripture but couldn't seem to live it. That's not the intent of scripture. Israel had prophets. One of them was Jeremiah and he was frustrated with the same kind of thing. The people of Israel in his day knew all about the scriptures but couldn't seem to follow it. He says this in chapter 6 verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths 
where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not. So he was saying, listen, here's the path that we ought to be walking on. Israel, let's do this together. Let's, let's walk this path. And they said, no, thank you. So the scriptures are not given to improve our knowledge and to increase our intellect per se. They are given by God for the salvation of our souls and godly guidance for daily living. In Luke chapter 12, verse 47, Jesus was teaching about this subject um, via a parallel. And he said, And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to the will will receive a severe beating. God isn't interested in the amount of biblical knowledge you have if you are not applying it. We certainly ought to uh, pursue biblical knowledge, right? No one's arguing that. I'm just saying the point isn't amassing knowledge. The point is applying the knowledge you have. On the flip side of this coin, Scripture is not also a light just to improve our behavior. Now, that sounds a little bit contrary to what I just said, right? But think with me for a second. The, the idea of Scripture is, is not just to fill our head with knowledge, but to affect our behavior. And now I'm saying the, the Scriptures are also not just about improving our behavior, but starting in the heart. If God can affect the heart, I shouldn't say if, I say when God affects the heart, the result is changed behavior. And so the point of Scripture in our lives is to affect the heart so our behavior follows. This is what the Pharisees struggled with. They could quote their scriptures left and right, and they could do this and that in a perfect way. They were impressed with how detailed their worship was and how much knowledge they had about the scriptures. But they couldn't seem to apply the scriptures they knew. Jesus, in fact, said, you guys are great at straining out gnats, the little, little parts of the law here and there, but in the meantime, you're swallowing camels. You'll strain out the smallest little thing, but you'll swallow a camel, really. So what is this light for? First of all, light is for our path. There, there are many paths out there. Which one are you going to take? Well, how many paths to heaven has the world offered? How many paths are there available that someone can take to the next beautiful, perfect life that we will all face one day. The world has offered all sorts of paths, right? The Bible says there's one path to heaven. And so the intent of Scripture is to shine light on that path so you can see it and follow it. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. We spend a lot of time in darkness, a lot of time being distracted by detours and, and uh, distracting things. But there is one path that God reveals to us in his word that is the way to heaven. You remember when Jesus was prepping his remaining 11 disciples, all the rest had left. He had 11 remaining disciples in John chapter 13, 
John 13 through John 17, Jesus was prepping them for his death and departure. And he said in chapter 14, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Thomas, being the inquisitive one, says, Jesus, where are you going? We don't know where you're going, and, and we wouldn't obviously know how to get there. Can you help us out? You remember what Jesus' answer was in verse 6 in John 14? He said, Thomas, I am the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father. No one gets to that heavenly place but by me. This was Jesus is saying, listen, I am that path. That's what scripture says. Jesus is that path. Follow him to that place. Again, in John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Are you on that path, friend? Just because you're in that room doesn't mean you're, this room doesn't mean you're on that path. Are you on that path? Are you following Jesus? It's a well-lit path in scripture. Are you on it? God has shown this radiant light through Jesus Christ in the scriptures on that path that leads to a saving and eternal relationship with Christ. It is a well-lit path found in the scriptures. Ever since Adam and Eve, mankind has been looking everywhere for a path to take. But God has shown the light on the pages of scripture which path is the correct one. You can't turn to any book in the Bible and miss it. It is abundant and clear all over scripture. Secondly, the purpose of the scriptures, this divine GPS besides showing the way to heaven, is to convict of sin and error. This is also what we see the scriptures doing. It shines the light on our sin. Paul said in Ephesians 5.13 that, that light makes everything visible. That doesn't sound to be too profound, does it? Hey, folks, light makes everything visible. You'd say, uh, okay, can you say something important? And yet, we still struggle to find the way, don't we? Yes, we do. We continue to struggle down the dark path and don't find our way out because we neglect God's positioning system. We seem to just lose our way, even though we say it's obvious to see. The Bible, the Bible clearly identifies pitfalls, dangers that we face on our way to heaven. It shows us things that will endanger our journey. For example, 1 John chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Pay attention. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So God's GPS system identifies the marks of a true believer, and in this case, it is the one who loves others. Here's the application. Are you loving others? If so, you're on the right path. If you're not loving others, you're not. And you say, well, of course I love others. And I would say, like who? The people who look like you and act like you? The people who are just like you? I like them. Who doesn't? The point of that verse in 1 John is to love the unlovely. Is to love those who are not so nice to love. Are you doing that? 
Are you loving someone outside your affinity group? Those who are on the right path do so, according to the Apostle John. The Bible also identifies sin that may be lurking in the darkness that we might truly be unaware of. Or maybe we're aware but not willing to face. This kind of sin, if unconfessed, according to Scripture, leads to death. You know that someone who's on the right path cannot continue on that path and remain in sin? That's what the Bible says. You cannot continue in sin, the Apostle John said. That doesn't mean you'll stop sinning as a person. It means you can't keep sinning in the same way, unbroken, unchanged for an extended period of time and still say, oh, I'm on the right path. No, you're not. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, that's God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God penetrates our lives, exposes the sin, and asks us to do something about it. Thirdly, God's GPS system, the light of God's word, shines the light of comfort in times of need. It shines the light of comfort in times of need. Ecclesiastes 11.7 says, the light is sweet and pleasant. I'm sure you've experienced that, the sweetness of light, the pleasantness of light, especially after you've stumbled through a dark room and stubbed a toe or two. It's pleasant when you turn the light on, It makes it a little easier to navigate the room than when it was dark. Instead of stumbling through dark and difficult times and tripping on everything that's in the way, light brings comfort to the soul. Spiritual light brings comfort to the spirit. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what does it do? What's the rod and staff do? It comforts us, the psalmist said. Now, what what do you think the rod and the staff are? What's in the mind of the psalmist? I'll tell you what's in his mind. The word and spirit of God. The word and spirit of the heavenly shepherd is in view in the writer's mind. What brings comfort? The spirit applying the word to the person on the path that's in darkness, even the darkness of death. It brings comfort. The Bible claims often to be the source of light. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. Now listen to what, how he describes the word of God as a lamp shining in a dark place. That's how Peter viewed the scriptures. And then Paul in in 2 Timothy 3, talking to Timothy, how important it was to have the light of scripture in his ministry. Scripture is breathed out by God, Paul said, and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. The word of God is a light to the soul, a light to life. The word claims this itself. So if you find yourself in darkness, uncertain of what to do, where to go, what to say. What is your procedure? 
You keep stumbling through the light, or through the darkness rather, looking for light. Do you look for the world's solution to the darkness you're in? Do you, you know, discuss this with your friends and ask their worldly wisdom about your current dark situation? Or do you go to God's GPS system, his word? In the Old Testament, I mentioned it earlier, there's types uh, that demonstrate how the word of God is a light to his people. You remember in Exodus 13 where it said, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. That's what the word of God is to us, friends, who take that GPS, that, that divine GPS, and apply it to our life. We can travel by day or by night. In good times or bad, light or dark, we can travel. Human experience speaks of the same kind of thing about the light of Scripture. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. We know that, right? When we're doing wrong things and we know it, we don't like people to expose that wrong, that sin. We, we try to stay in the darkness and, and blame others or, or distract others by something else. We don't want to be exposed. But Jesus continued, but whoever does what is true comes to the light. So you've, you've seen these people, maybe you've been one of them, um, who claim to be on the path that God has, has shown his light on, but their sinful lives seem to argue against their willingness to walk on that path. They, they resist the light. They, they run from the light uh, because of being exposed as a painful thing. And, and what, what, for example, what happens when you turn over a rock or you kick over a rock out in your yard? You got bugs underneath there, do? And what happens to those bugs when you turn that rock over? They run for the darkness, don't they? They, they as fast as they can, get to some other rock or other weed to get underneath it. That's like these people who claim to be walking in the light, but as soon as the light shines on it, they run for darkness again. We've seen these people that are act kind of like potato bugs under rocks. Don't be a potato bug if you want a cute application. Jeremiah 6 again, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your soul. They said, we will not. We'd rather be in the darkness. Human, human experience tells us there is a light from Scripture, and we don't like that light shining on us when we're in sin. I've seen many, and you may know a few who actually lived like this, who rejected the light follow worldly path of darkness to their own demise and in the wake is ruined relationships, immorality, shipwrecked faith, etc. It's not uncommon, unfortunately. God's word is a light, friends. It is a light. It gives you a direction that you should be going on, a path to follow. Secondly, the verse says, God's word is a lamp. God's word is a lamp to my feet. I finished my high school years in northern, northern California, up near the Oregon border, in fact. My dad took a small pastorate in a small town called Horse Creek, California, and it was in the middle of the Klamath National Forest. 
which contained the Marble Mountain Wilderness. It still contains the Marble Mountain Wilderness. And every summer we would go up as kids into the mountains and spend weeks on end hiking all over that beautiful country. And one of our favorite places was a place called Paradise Lake. It's called Paradise Lake because it felt like paradise when you were there. It was at this lake was at the base of a 500 foot sheer cliff and it was a deep clear lake 30, 40 feet deep in the deepest spot, and you could see fish the size of your arm in that lake. That's good news for you fishermen, okay? It was absolutely gorgeous. And we would camp there at that lake, and from time to time, take little side trips or jaunts over the next ridge to another lake, and we would spend weeks doing this. And from time to time, we would lose track of time and find ourselves a couple miles away from camp when it turned dark. And so we had to make our way back to camp using a flashlight. Although we knew there was majesty all around us, we couldn't see it. All we could see was that path right in front of us. That's the only thing that mattered to us. During the day, we didn't pay much attention to that trail. We were looking at the majestic mountains and the pristine alpine lakes. But at night, when things got serious, we turned that light on and hoped the batteries would last. It helped us avoid danger. This is exactly what Psalm 119, verse 105 is talking about. In the daytime, you can see the majesty of God's creation and direction you're supposed to be heading. This is, this is obvious where it's supposed to be. You don't pay too, too much attention to the trail. You do at night with a flashlight. You pay attention. When that lamp turns on, you look closely at the trail so you don't misstep. That, that's what the lamp of God's word is for. The, the, the flashlight at night helps us focus on the detail of the trail. I'm going to, you may wonder why the, what are these things are called? Window screens are closed. Uh, this is for this illustration, so pay attention. Right now, you can see the light. You can see things pretty clearly in here. It's not the brightest room, but it's clear enough, Right? Well, I'm going to ask Nate to turn the lights off here. Nate, if you could slide the light thing down all the way. How's that? That's a little more difficult to see. In fact, if we had to get out of here quickly, I'm certain there'd be some injuries, right? But the lamp that the Word of God is speaking of is that thing that brightens the path. I can see exactly where I'm going because I have this lamp. I can tell where the steps are. If I shine it up a little bit, I can note, put notice there's a half wall there. Don't run into that. There's a little ramp, and then I know where the exit is. I can get out of here without too much injury. But without the light of Scripture, without the lamp, this is what life looks like. This is what we cannot afford to do in the Christian life. Thank you, Nate. We need the light of the Word of God to see where we're going today. Where should I step right now? Where should my next step be? You have to have the lamp of scripture. If you don't have it, you'll experience what we just did in a physical sense. I would have tried to have us exit the building real quickly if we had time to see what happened, but I didn't think that was smart. And as the next youth pastor, I've learned a few things. The Word of God 
is very practical in revealing important things. A careful study of Scripture will reveal important, basic, daily truths that we must follow. The Scripture is a shining lamp. It's, it's the rule of life and faith. The Scriptures were given so that we could learn for ourselves who God is, what his heart was like, what his commands are, what his doctrines are. We, we, we can see by studying scripture uh, the answers to questions about family living, living in a community, living in a nation, living in our church, going to work or school. The light of scripture gives clear guidance for these things. In the Old Testament, Israel were always challenged by their circumstances. They always seemed to lose track of God's guidance. They turned their backs on it. They were like the potato bugs. People want to do certain things and others would want to do other things. The prophet Isaiah was concerned about this. There, there was no consensus among the people about what they should do. And so in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, he wrote these critically important words that are even important to us today, to the teaching and to the testimony. You want to go left, you want to go right, what does the Bible say? To the teaching and to the testimony. The Bible guides us, friends, in how we should conduct ourselves as husband and wife, as church, as parents. Should we go left or right to the teaching and to the testimony? This is what we should be doing. This should be our first move, not third or fourth. Life's questions just crave God's insight. God's word gives specific guidance to our circumstances. Um, they, they make these things called a topical Bible. This is a, a abbreviated version of that. This, this one in particular is called a quick reference guide. Uh, you want to know how to deal with lust and evil desires? Here's a long list. You want to know how to deal with marriage and husband and wife relationships? Here's all of the scriptures that deal with marriage relationships. Get a topical Bible. You want to know how to teach your children purity? A topical Bible will tell you. There's a, I have one copy down there. You can look at it later if you want. Uh, it's just a topical Bible that talks about any particular topic you may be interested in. It is this lamp. It's, it's not the light of the general or the, the basic trajectory of life. It's the lamp of the feet thing. It's this thing right there. It tells you where to step next. That's what a topical Bible does. I'd encourage you to own one. It talks about marriage and family. For example, it'll take you to Ephesians 5 and 6. It'll take you to Deuteronomy 6, Colossians 3, Philippians 2, Proverbs. It'll tell you how to be sacrificial in your love, how to be respectful in your support, how to submit to one another, whether or not you should divorce, keys to a happy marriage, how to discipline and train your children. It talks about vocation, not where you should work, but how you should work. How you should relate to other co-workers. If you're a boss, how you should relate to your employees. If you're an employee, how you should relate to your boss. The Bible tells you those things because it is a lamp to your feet to guide your very next step. Talks about church. What ought church to look like? Before the first service, I was in here lowering these blinds. And a lady came up to me and says, what are you lowering those for? Are we, are we cutting chicken heads off today? I said, no, not exactly, but uh, thanks for asking. 
No, we, we can't do whatever we want in the worship service. There is prescription in the Word of God for how we conduct ourselves here. We, we are not at freedom to do whatever we want. There are certain things we must do and other things we can't do. It talks about how the church is to be governed. Where do we find right church leaders? How should we actually relate to one another within this building? Are we all expected to participate or just some of us? This is all laid out clearly. This book speaks of every single topic in your life. Everything. Do you seek it out? Do you follow God's GPS? This book, of course, is a guide to a saving and eternal relationship with God, but it's also a guide to living as Jesus would. My goal this morning has been to encourage you to recognize the need for God's guidance in every area of your life and then to convince you that God's GPS, his word, is that guidance. I hope you've heard that this morning. Are you trusting this guidance? Are you following this guidance? Let's pray. Father, you have seen fit to reveal yourself to us in a book. And as you reveal yourself to us, you also reveal to us our need of following you, obeying you, being like Jesus. I ask that by your Spirit's power, you will take the words of Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet and help us to walk away with a renewed conviction to use your positioning system, the divine GPS for our daily living. God bless us as we, we as a church endeavor to do this and honor you with our with the way we do church, the way we treat one another, the way we um, present Christ to a world desperately in need. God, guide us, use us, bless us. We thank you for your word. Help us to be students of it. In Jesus' name, amen.